Hey, welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, well, both of our us as hosts, Joel and Laura Hillary here. And um, today we are joined with Wawiru. How are you doing, Wawiru? I'm doing well. Yeah? How are you guys doing? Very good, good yeah. very good. So, Wawiru, you're from Kenya originally? Yeah, originally from Kenya. Wonderful. And at the moment, you're youth pastor at Grace Church Nelson. Yes, yes. That is wonderful. Yeah, all the way from Kenya to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that quite? Is there quite a big cultural change from those two places? Oh yes, extreme. I, th- uh, I think people are people, of course. People yeah. are human beings, but just culture of everything from music, food, yeah, how we do church interaction. Now, tell me one thing that you would bring from Kenya to New Zealand that you wish we did here more: dance. 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 I wish people. <laughs> I love that. I miss dancing. That is great. I guess because growing up in Kenya, where from the youngest to the most to the oldest, everyone dances, and you dance at church, you dance at graduation, you dance at any ceremony, weddings. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, yeah, I think we definitely do not boogie enough. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, dance is great. I'm not a very good dancer myself. Mm. I think I start to look like I've got an epileptic fit. <laughs> but um, yeah, I try. <laughs> must be one thing everyone is good at in Kenya. <laughs> no, I think people are just less conscious yeah, about their, themselves. So you mm. find someone like my grandmother would be going to 90. Really? You just stand and dance. And of course, she can move as yep. much. but. Yeah. So she's just moving. So she would, you didn't say she's a good dancer, but she just flowing with the beat and yeah. everything. So that's, I think that's a difference. Yeah. So many Kenyans, I wouldn't say know how to dance, but they just stand and do something. So yeah. And so that gets the difference whether it's some fathers, mothers, children, everyone. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, very cool. Um, so how old are you? What would you? I turn. Yeah, I'm turning 30, 37 in August. Are you? Yes, I'm very You have old. such a young, <laughs> I mean, 37 is not that old, but you look definitely in your 20s, yeah, very most, young looking. Yeah, most people do not know where to place me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, lucky you, mm. man. I, I get, I'm on the opposite end. I'm, yeah. I'm in my 20s and people think I'm about 37. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, well, thank you for joining us on the Jesus Minute podcast. Um, we're excited to hear your testimony. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to hand it over to you. Okay, and yeah. you can start at any point in your story where you believe it begins. Mm-hmm. Laura and I will jump in and out. But yeah, probably starts in Kenya, does it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd start, uh, mine, uh, maybe, uh, but please ask as many questions as we'll do. Yeah. I'd start at the end, not the end, today, which is. Yeah, we are in 2022 mm. in Nelson, New Zealand. So it's been many, many years of traveling. So I've been in New Zealand six years. Before here, I was in Rwanda, still doing youth pastoring job. Before yeah. that, I was in West Af- West Africa, Liberia, still yeah. doing what I'm doing then. But before that, I was, of course, in Kenya. But uh, I'd say the big difference and one of the biggest thing I thank God is. My big, I wouldn't say my biggest testimony, God's testimony through me has been mm. the healing part of where I'm coming from mm. through salvation, of course, being saved at 1920, 
and yeah. just the healing because of where I was coming from and all the mm. yeah. I'd say trauma. Of course, when I was young, I just thought life was normal, which was not good. So I would say my 16-year-old self would look at my 37-year-old self and be happy that I pushed through those times and mm. I chose not to quit. And So when you say trauma, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, so some of it, of course, could be big, medium, small, but uh, so say maybe the small, which I've shared with my youth here at Grace Church, is not knowing where your next meal will come from mm. as a young kid, four or five, and struggling to... Because I used to live with my grandparents, not knowing where the food will come to. So you're living life, but you're still mm. a bit of anxiety. Not an, uh, yeah, I would say a bit yeah. of anxiety, but just lack of assurity that, oh, there'll be meal. Yeah. There'll be school fees, there'll be clothes and everything. So every day mm. was a miracle, which in a way is nice, but sometimes in those extreme, when you're mm. a kid, all you want to do is play, go to school. Yeah. Mm. So those things... Like those then, of course, having grown up with my granddad and grandmom, so I met my mom late in maybe 11, 12, met my dad when I was 25, so those those... You met s- them? So you grew up with your grandparents, grandparents, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I met my mom when I was 10, 11, I would say. Really? Oh. Then met my dad when I was 25, after looking for him for nearly five years. Is that a common thing in Kenya, oh. to have the grandparents look after their grandkids? Yeah. It's common. Yeah, I would say it's common around where I used because I used to, used to grow, to grow up, I grew up in one of the slums. So my mom was very young when she gave birth to me. And so that those cases, but not across Kenya, of course, but there. So you find mm. grandparents taking care of many. I would say many of my friends I know. Yeah. Okay. So was your grandma or your grandparents, were they Christian? Did you grow up in like a Christian environment? Yeah, I think they've always been Christian in quotes. So yeah. from the time I get to be aware of stuff because but first they were Catholic I know then of course did all the Catholic classes mm. got baptized there then later they became I would say Pentecostal what do you say Pentecostal just yeah. Yeah. they got saved in, yeah so so since they believed in God now whether when they were Catholic now they are normal is that what like normal Christian <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just on fire on fire for yeah yeah, for yeah. God. yeah so that's a, well, I mean, that's what a normal Christian should be, eh? yeah. Yeah. On fire. <laughs> on fire, so I'd say. Mm. Yeah, so that's part of it, just looking back from where I'm from, because still, once in, I've been to Kenya twice in the, the years I've been here, and just going back to where I grew up. Yeah. Because still my mom, my siblings are in Kenya, and just going back to the slums and visiting. And mm. Of course, it's like you're saying, the difference in the sense... I still have friends in the slums. I still have some fun in the mm. slum. And <clears throat> so what I was struggling with, some of them are still, still struggling with. It. And so in a way being here, and because you guys are curious, seeing the, how do I say, my English is limited. Oh, the the blessing yep. which New Zealand is. Yeah. Mm. But I now, I now I, after staying here for a while, now I understand if, if I, even for me, if I grew up here, I wouldn't be like, what's wrong? I eat food. That is, yeah. that is, And so living, I think I still live in those both worlds in a sense because still I have fun, family there and, mm. and seeing the difference in terms of what someone is struggling with yeah. in Kenya and what someone is struggling here is just... But sometimes it keeps me humble. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah, cause 
Would you be able to describe a little bit what the slums that you grew up in was like? Just because, you know, if oh, it's a lot yeah. of Westerners listening, we might <laughs> mm. not quite understand what that looks like. Yeah, slum is totally different. So Kenya has two of the biggest slums mm. in, the, in Africa, I would say, oh, in wow. Africa. And so a slum in Kenya would be houses made of mud, wow. others made of iron sheet just across, others made of wood. And it's not, you know, New Zealand style house. Mm. Land. And so you live in, bo- it's like you live in boxes. Mm. And there was no so s- would there be power and running no, water? No water, you have to go fetch water. There yep. is no, most of the place you have 10 families living and there is one toilet. So you share mm. a, a long drop, which is... yeah. yeah long drop and sometimes people just connect electricity illegally through wires to wires. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's pretty bold. I mean, I wouldn't want to climb up a power line and start connecting no. cables to people, it. Oh, we used to. I guess because you're a kid and just like, <laughs> we want electricity, you want to watch TV in the neighbor's yeah. home. Yeah, people climb Amazing. fix it, which, which is illegal, of course, but then yeah. desperation. And, so that a slam, then of course, everyone is struggling, everyone is trying to yeah. When it rains, just houses flood with water. Wow. It's from upside, whichever. Yeah. And it's amazing that that concept of, um, you know, living in mud houses and, and having no running water or electricity properly is like we, it's so tricky to grasp here in New Zealand or in a, in a Western world. Um, we, Laura and I, managed to go to Papua New Guinea oh, yeah. and Indonesia, mm. and we saw um, it wasn't. We definitely saw some slums, but we didn't go into uh, a huge a huge amount. But there, we definitely saw the effects of it, and um, the huge wake up call mm. to uh, being able to go come back to New Zealand. And we realised this when we were sitting and standing in the supermarket, and there was, I, I think we've got probably eighty different choices oh, of yeah. cereal, yeah, just cereal yeah. alone. And um, we would had been living on rice and fish, yeah. Um, pretty much morning lunch and tea, uh, dinner, and um, yeah, we just didn't even think twice of it. Living in New Zealand, eh? and then you go over there, it's a, it's a culture shock. Yeah. yeah, and the cul- yeah. and that's one of the things I keep praying in a, in a sense, God to help me live in this two world without feeling sometimes lost in the other because the extreme poverty for for Kenya, not Kenya alone, just part of Africa, Asia. Yeah. And South America is just... Mm. And then I live here where... Yeah. So there is, once in a while I have to just breathe in and tell God, yeah. they're still your people, I can't change them. Cause yeah. Yeah, so that's the slum and just you... From the extreme, I, I don't want to describe everything, but just... Yeah, so even if I was a young lady, I don't think I would have made it out because it means that I'd be having a few kids... Yeah, because out of desperation or their need, something as simple. Oh, this is not wrong to say something like sanitary pads. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I was thinking for me growing up, I did, I just grew up. I'm a boy, didn't care about as mm. long as I had a few clothes on me. Mm. You're, yeah. you're okay. But yeah. now looking back, I'm thinking if I was a girl and I yeah. turned ten, thirteen, and I mean, those where I would have if we mm. were just struggling on food. So I just just had extra. Yeah, just yes, yeah, so I just. No, I respect her, and I, I told, I talked to my sister. She's now thirty. And I said, I respect you because I don't know how she's survived, <laughs> yeah. and many other girls. And so just. So, how many I, siblings have you got back in Kenya? Two brothers and a sister. 
Yeah. Oh, two sisters and a brother. Yeah. So it's me and my sister, my brother, my sister. Two, ah, yeah. two, two. Two yeah, and two. two. Awesome. Mm. Oh, wow. So, all right. So what made you come to New Zealand? New Zealand, uh, I was in 20, I went to um, Rwanda 2015, somewhere there. Still, because the church I used to work with is called Nairobi Chapel, which is a church in Nairobi. Mm. So they sent me, or first they sent me to Liberia, which is west of Africa. Still, they had a church plant there. So I was, again, just doing the same thing, youth pastor. and But I had the privilege there when I went there. So I worked with United, UNHCR. Mm. So I got the opportunity to work half of my hours in, in the church, half of the hours with the UN helping the refugees. Then, of course, came back. Also, I didn't finish my term in Liberia because, for some of you, before the pandemic, this one we know there was Ebola. Oh, okay. Mm. So I was there when when Ebola was rampant and, and Liberia, Monrovia. Wow. That was that was the boiling point of everything. So wow. stayed there for a bit, trying to help and just helping there, picking bodies and all that. That would have been uh, quite an experience. Oh yeah. So I think that's been the hardest. Place I've done ministry really to this. I, I just, that was that was hard. So, yes. what was the hard part? Was it the people's receptiveness or just the sickness going around? No, so, uh, so um, I'm sure most of you know. So, like we know that there is war in Ukraine, but for Africa, there are countries that have been in war and they're mm-hmm. still in war till now. And so, Kenya, we've had, I'd say, maybe a nearly three weeks of war during 2007 after election. There was just, but it wasn't. It didn't stay long, and a few people died, which was sad. But Liberia, by the time I went there... To, so when you say war, do you mean civil war? Civil war. So it's in the country? In the country. It's wow. War. It's not one person shooting, and then it's... Complete. So when I went to Liberia, they just had 10 years of peace, but before that they had nearly 15 years of war. Wow. And I mean real war. So I'm Kenyan, of course. Kenya is still a developing country, and... Uh, Pretty used, but when I landed in Monrovia, which is Liberia, I was like, this is another level mm. of extreme poverty, which I didn't thought because I was like, oh, Kenya, I grew up poor, so what else is more to see? But anyway, just that's because by then, the unemployment rate was above 75%. Mm. Literacy rate was around 60, going to 70. So because they've been in war for nearly 15 years, some of those young people had never been to school. Mm. For ten years, so mm. all they ever knew was to fight, hold guns. Wow! The war ended. The government, of course, has taken the guns away because trying to create peace and move mm-hmm. forward. So it's only ten years they're trying to come back. Yeah. So it's a, now poverty on another way. So even where I used to live, there was no electricity. So we used yeah. to use uh, generators. Yeah. But they were nice people. There was, that aspect was good, and because during war. And that's why I tell people, war is not... Because, you know, I've had people say, hey, maybe in New Zealand we are too privileged, maybe we just need war for us to wake up. I'm like... Yeah. I know it's an ignorant thing because <laughs> because during the war in Liberia, they, you know the power lines? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They took all the power lines, all the poles, everything, and sold it in, to Sierra Leone. What? <laughs> Every, you know, everything was... You're joking. <laughs> Wow. It's like now New Zealand taking all the power lines because maybe Nelson is fighting with Auckland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so just the, the extreme of property. And also, it's like, so because there are different rebel groups, 
mm. assuming there's a rebel group in South Island and North Island. So because we can't trade, so they killed all the animals, ate everything. Wow. So by the time I'm eating there, so going to Liberia, we had to eat monkey meat, rats. Wow. Porcupines. And so it was very hard in terms of poverty. Yeah. But also this heart, the heart of the people were hardened because you've seen, by the time someone is 10, 15, they've seen people being killed. They've seen people mm. being raped, gang raped. Yeah. So you're yeah. coming telling them about Jesus. They're like, oh, that's, so that's it's amazing. Just because their life has been, it's not, it's not their fault. It's just yeah. been hard. And so even talking about morals, they're like, I don't know when I'm going to die or if the war is going to come back. So then on top of that, Ebola came. Yeah. Man. And then I'm trying to think, these people are God's people and trying to rational, rationalize that so that it was very, yeah. very hard. Because you must be grow up with this, this inbuilt um, resilience. Yeah, it was To just horrible things happening around you. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, um, I'd seen those horrible things, but then this the magnitude was like, okay, this is another level. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, so I, I was... So I, I think the reason why I came back is because Nairobi Chapel mm. pastors and my family were like, you need, because I just, I was healthy, went to Liberia by the time. So one day just, I took around, because I used to help people training their dogs. So there was expatriate somewhere. Yeah. So I just trained, I was training their dogs. So the dogs had worked. So I took a, uh, my friend took a picture of me and I posted it on Facebook mm. and everyone went bizarre crazy. <laughs> you need to come back. What's it? Because I'd, Lost like twenty five kgs. I was so slim and oh, really? dark. Oh. I'm I'm dark, yes, but as, but you know because I've been there and yeah, you can't see yourself. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> but they were like, you have to come back. And of course, for me, wow. I wanted to stay, but of course, I didn't realize it was just the trauma of trying to work mm. and the ball and people are dying on the streets and yeah, trying to. So it, I think my body just shut down. Mm. Yeah, and because I know for nearly five months. I'd not, I'd not felt any feelings of hunger. Oh, for five months. Five months. So what I used to do, go to a supermarket, buy appetizer, something uh, that like pills or something that if you drink them, then you feel a bit of hunger. Then I eat. Right. Uh, and okay. so my body shut down completely until some my family and friends saw the pictures. They were like, "You need to come back." And I'm like, "What's wrong with you guys? I'm okay." Yeah. They're like, "No." Of course, they had called the pastor, and so they. But that, but then the country had been locked because people did not want, yeah, to go there. So, but luckily, just through the, it's like a re, not rescue, just mm. a f- last flight from Kenya came picked picked us, and that's another wow. long story. Wow! So through all this, um, I'm not sure if you asked earlier, Laura, but did, did you know the Lord at this yeah, point? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a youth pastor then. Oh, you were a youth pastor <laughs> yeah, in Kenya yeah. as well. Oh wow! Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> yes, so I so th- when I went to Liberia's Nairobi Chapel, who sent me there as a youth pastor to work with the church. So all this I'm experiencing. I'm still I I believe in God. I'm, I still have a youth group I'm running yeah. every Saturday and Sunday. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then, of course, came back. So I came back and I I felt like I'd not fulfilled what I wanted to do in Liberia. So I asked Nairobi Chapel. Because mm. I was opening again to go to Rwanda, so mm. I went to Rwanda. But your question was, how did I come here? It's just yeah, I was walking in the streets in Kigali, Rwanda, with my friends, and I just told them, I, I'm praying to God that I get an experience of being a youth pastor outside Africa. Mm. So whether it's Europe, and and I told them, and they were like, oh, okay, 
pray that God answers your prayer. So exactly a month later, Nairobi Chapel is like, oh, there is a job in Nelson, New Zealand. Would you be open to it? I was like, oh. So wow. I prayed about it. And so it was, there was no lot of searching or it was just a simple prayer. Yeah. The door opened in New Zealand, Nelson. Applied for the visa, came back to Kenya to Kenya for a month or two. Yeah, then came. Huh. Okay. So, all right. I'm going to rewind a little bit from before you were a youth pastor. Yeah. Did you always? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Yes, a Christian home with my grandmother's and grandfather, of course. Went most the Christian. The primary school I went out say was. Kenya generally are very religious, so mm. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter where you go. Even if you're the most atheist, yeah, people will be like, oh, we need to pray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, wow. a, so it doesn't matter which school you go to, there's still the aspect of Christian values and that, which is good, of course. Kenya, I think, would be eighty, close to 80% Christian and maybe 10% Muslim. And oh, wow. Yeah, so there's an aspect wow, okay. of spirituality there, so... So you're not convincing anyone that the spiritual is real. Oh, no. no, they're aware of that. They're aware of that. Maybe <laughs> convincing them about Jesus or Muhammad. Now that's yeah, but yeah. Other everyone. Yeah, oh, so. interesting. Yeah, so that Kenya, that's Kenya for you. And every politician they have to confess they are Christian for them to be elected because people will be like, <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. So which is complete opposite of this side. Well, here you're, it's almost you know the uh, non-Christian values uh, a perk. Oh. In New Zealand, <laughs> yeah, I've experienced it. I was the first thing Jacinda did is brought in the abortion law yeah, and, and things like that. That's that's totally opposite to yeah to Christian values. So mm. uh, then I joined Compassion around Compassion International, so I became a sponsored child when I was seven, out seven eight there. Okay. Yeah, but because we were so poor that Compassion bought us bought me uniform and I few paid a bit of my school fees. I couldn't even afford the little school fees. So then I moved. And how, how much are we talking here? If we don't if you don't mind maybe, us asking. Maybe a hundred dollars a term. A hundred dollars a term. Yeah, even less, I would think even less. Yeah. Wow. It's not like that's Kiwi dollars. Uh, Kiwi dollars, yeah. yes. Yeah. Wow. For the whole term. That's amazing. But then of course I guess if you're poor, you think your food at least you think your food and rent. Yeah. So, what, what did your grandparents do to bring income in? They used to do business, and yeah, my grandfather was also doing in terms of uh, helping with security and all that. But because I my grandmother little. had her own kids, mm. so he had seven seven boys, two girls, and so plus me. Oh wow! So they, okay. it was big. So trying to help, and she did what she could, and I'm yeah. forever grateful, grateful to her. So then we were living next to a Muslim family, and one day they, were, they just went to my grandmother and said, "Why don't Waweru come and live with us? We'll help pay the next the school fees that he needs." Yeah. So team and yeah. So I lived with them for four years, nearly four years. Oh wow! So I, wow, with a Muslim family. Yeah. And okay. So then so there was my no life changed because then I used to go to what they call madrasas classes on Friday, which. Uh, it's like Sunday school, Sunday school for for Muslims. Yeah. So oh, okay. So you, you used to go to that. Used to do like, try to learn Arabic and Quran. Oh and wow! All that. Yeah. So you have quite a good understanding then of all that. Yeah. So did fasting with them during Ramadan. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that yes. So, so you've actually had both sides of that yeah. quite extensively, and you've drawn the conclusion that 
Christianity is the side yeah. that's probably got the truth more accurate. <laughs> yeah, because then I went back to my grandparents when I was starting high school. Yeah. Because a Muslim family, I think they felt they've done at least their best. Which, and also, But, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm Christian today. I'm Muslim now. Wow. I'm back. So, of course, I couldn't. For me, I was just living life because, you know, as a kid, you yeah. just live. But then You're not really thinking too deep about too deep those about sort of it. things. <laughs> Started high school, then... Again, just struggles here and there. Then I beat out two, three years of joining Rastafarianism because in the Kenyan high school, the ones I used to go to, of course, we are all poor, so we are mm. looking for oh, there's some sense of hope. Yeah. And so reggae music becomes, <laughs> because it talks about, oh, one day we are going to conquer. You know, that's reggae. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that did went through that, then dropped out of school for... Because in, then in Kenya, you had to pay school fees for high school. So for four years, between 15 and nearly 20, yeah, just living in the wow. slums. And uh, yeah, so those days, they are just because I needed food. So I lived with some of the boys and yeah. we had to steal from here, steal food from so steal from someone on the street and everything. Yeah. Just desperation. And then one day, so I went to a camp through Word of Life. So there is Word of Life in Kenya. So I'd gone through Compassion before. So I went. So I met a friend who lived on the other side of the street. Street, I mean, at least they have money. Mm. And said, oh, maybe you could come and live with us. I said, no. But then a friend of mine who, just a policeman one day, of course, was stealing from someone's house, caught us. Because I was still young. He said, if you don't leave this street, you're going to die. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I packed my suitcase, left and went. To, so there was a church called Parklands Baptist. So I used to, we started a small company. So I was living, of course, because I used to go to Word of Life. I met friends. So they said, there is a cleaning company. Come and start cleaning the church. Yeah. And that's, took my suitcase and that was all my belonging. I, two suitcases, I mean, it has two shirts, one trouser. And, mm. and that's how I moved from the slums and went and lived in a place it's called Westlands, just mm. a bit for affluent people. And what was your, um, your when you had got to Nelson? What was your thoughts behind the the change of um, from being in the slums, being in, in Kenya, mm-hmm. to being in the in the Western culture, and I guess just how simple and easy it can be here. Mm-hmm. What was your thoughts behind that? Did that? Did you go? Why? Why can we not figure the same sort of thing out in Kenya? Or oh, that's a good question. I'm still answering that question. Yeah, I'm still figuring because one, because I I don't know how to explain it because my mind is still baffled by how extreme poverty looks like. Yeah, and where I used to live and how life is here. As in, it's so wild apart. I, I, because here we, we complain when, you know, the milk goes up another dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we can still buy milk. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't change our yeah. life and a it huge amount. And I'm not saying, I'm not minimizing, of course, the struggle of people. People are struggling. Absolutely, they, yeah. I, I don't know. It's on a different, it's, <laughs> it's totally different though. Like, yeah, there's it's no so, way. it's a healthy thing to put in perspective mm. what God's given us. Mm. And you're... I mean, your story about 
how you grew up and things like that, that actually will go a long way here. Mm-hmm. You know, us being able to actually count our blessings. And that's one thing we noticed when we were in um, Papua New Guinea is mm-hmm. you've got all these all these people and they, they, they live in extreme poverty. and But at the same time, their families, they've got these ma- amazing smiles and they, they're grateful for everything that they do have. Mm-hmm. And they're not thinking about the, the things that they don't have. Yeah. And, and we today in the Western world have almost everything in abundance that we need, but we're still focusing on what we don't have yeah. rather than the things that we do have. It's yeah, it's, yeah because I know, like I'm t- I'm telling you this is real what, how I grew up, but I was never sad. Yeah, I never I was absolutely holding myself somewhere. I'm saying, oh what. Just lived life, played, enjoyed, yep. was confident. You know, those days when you're a teenager, you're trying to uh, to to go and talk to girls. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, which is interesting for me. Just observing teenagers here and just how people are scared of that. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's interesting. Like you're saying, just <laughs> <laughs> when I was a teenager, I approached anyone. I just yeah, I didn't feel small because I didn't have. Of course, I had torn clothes, one pair of. Mm. Throws and shoes and like uh, yeah, so which is interesting to reflect. But I'm like, oh. yeah. yeah. So you obviously grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have an actual relationship with Christ, or when did that start to develop? Of course, I used to go to church and like, of course, if you in Kenya, if you grew up with your family, you go to church. There's yeah. no, <laughs> there's no choice there. But then when I so when I moved to the other side with my friend. And I started cleaning this church, Parklands Baptist. So that's when I was like, now 19, I was like, I've been everywhere. I've been the Catholic mm. and the Muslim. And I just, because I'd gone for the camp at Word of Life, I went home one day. So I, I'm living with my friend. I said, I just said, I'll try this Christian thing. And I prayed that night. And I said, from tonight, of, from today, I'll be serious with God, go to church and be, and my friend, because he was a youth leader in the church, he said, come, be part of our youth ministry. And I'd say since then. So been, what what caused that? I think I was just tired. You're just tired? My, I was just tired emotionally because I was like, I'm yeah. trying to figure out life, but this time I've not finished high school. I'm going to turn 20. Yeah, There's no way I can get money. There's no person I know who's reached somewhere. Who I so it was like a, a cry to guidance, a cry to help me, you know, just, yeah, so and just, I surrender. I, you know, yeah, I was tired. Emotionally, I was tired. Wow. But then somehow through that, to one of the youth pastors who came to the church, because I used to clean the company, so got some money saved. Mm. The youth pastor said, I'll support you with what I have. Went back to school, so I finished school 20, when I was 21. Yeah, which I should have finished when I was 16, 17. Then through the journey, so I became one of the youth leaders in Parklands Baptist. Yeah, started leading the church and became okay. a youth pastor. Then, then the just transition from Parklands Baptist to Nairobi Chapel, and mm. then yeah, the journey continues. Yeah, wow, wow. So, what would you say would be like the biggest difference of youth pastoring in all the different countries you've done it? Is it generally all like the same kind of struggles that you see or um, things that you have to teach or has it been quite different from, you know, in Africa to New Zealand? I think, of course, there is a simple thread which teenagers, especially young people, is just they love. They want to know that you, you care, 
It's mm. all about identity and feeling like they belong, they're accepted. I'd say whether from here to Kenya or any countries I've been to, maybe there are other differences, of course. Kenyans, because there's, and Africa generally, there's still an aspect of religion, not religion, uh, spirituality, so it's easy to mm. speak to teenagers about God and everything. And so even teenagers are passionate about God and they're doing things for God. But I know here it's, you have a few, of course, but just because... Not many, some of them have not even grown up in a Christian home. So it's just starting from mm. zero. So that is just that aspect. But I think I tell people, teenagers are young people, young people. Mm. Whether they're in the slums of Kenya or they're here. Mm. And that's why, because people said, oh, what did you change when you came to New Zealand? Of course, coming from Africa. I said, nothing. I'm just me. <laughs> and loving God and loving the young yeah. people. The rest are details. Yeah. Yeah, because, and that's why I know there are people who not work with teenagers because they think teenagers are quite something. But I tell, teenagers are the easiest in the sense, as long as you're authentic and you are who you are. That yeah. Don't come pretend you have an American accent or you're cool mm-hmm. just to be you. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that makes that makes a lot of sense because teenagers, they 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 can read you. You know, oh. they're looking at you, and if you're trying to be somebody you're not, they're yeah. looking straight through that, and they're going, "This guy's just trying to make me like him, or whatever yeah. it is." But and they can understand that. So that's that's a powerful thing that you're saying. You know, just be authentic, be yeah. yourself, um, and essentially just do it in love as well. No, yeah. And they'll know that you're the real deal. Yeah, rather, because I know for adults, we pretend a lot. You may not like someone and still they stay there yeah. <laughs> and come to the church and you don't like it. But for teenagers, if they feel, ah, this is not for me, they'll yeah. give your youth group or anything. And yeah. Oh, that's so neat. So yeah. have, have you got kids yourself? Yeah, so i got a one year. She's one year and one month, I think. Yeah. Subira, yeah. <laughs> one year, one month, baby. She's called Subira, so... Born last year and got, got married 2020 just before Corona. Oh, right. wow. It's good timing. Okay. <laughs> good timing. So, yeah, cool. Did, and you met, did you marry Kiwi? Yeah, Kiwi from l- local Nelsonian. Oh, very as cool. As local as they come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so when you're going through youth pastoring, um, for somebody that's listening, I think it would be really important for other youth pastors that might be listening to this mm. or, or teaching? I mean, you said to be authentic constantly, but is there anything that you want to look out for to help somebody get closer to Christ? Like what would be some words of wisdom? You know, if you see somebody, you know, they're thinking about coming to Christ or, or the, as a teenager and you're going, all right, well, what have you done in the past to help guide them to the truth? Because there's so many distractions out there. How do you you show them which one's a distraction and which one's truth? Mm. Yes, one of the, maybe share a bit the difference, because in Kenya, when I was a youth pastor there, we used to go to schools, Monday to Friday, primary, high school, university, so it was easy to do. You'd preach then, do an, an altar call and call people, but I would say in the West, which is where most countries as we develop will go, it's a place where you have to create relationship with a young person mm. and care for them, genuinely care for them and work with them. And in the same, I guess it just like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ and mm. just 
of course invite them in, into your life through can hang out go for coffee go for hiking mm. tramping and then just open i think what i've seen and i think we might work will work in new zealand is that opening our lives and saying this is who i am mm. i'm loving christ i'm following christ i'm not perfect but i'm genuine in following christ and then i've seen that attract young people mm. into saying oh waberu is not perfect is still working his life and mm. so that there's been that authenticity and an aspect which i feel also of course do it carefully it's sharing our scars Mm. rather than showing us showing the young people how star or how good and how perfect our life is because i remember the one of my mentors who still we still talk today is when i was now 19 20 getting saved and i'm like this is i'm i'm completely lost he just one day we were just hanging out at his house he shared with us this is my life this is the mistakes i've made and everything and then for the first time i quote and quote for the first time i saw a christian who was authentic Mm. He wasn't scared of what had happened to him and how he is now and he was because he was a, our youth pastor so that attracted me and I was like oh where mm. with your craziness and dysfunctionality of family mm. you can still heal you can still be there so that became something that has helped me mm. because if you show people how good you are then you sometimes you don't encourage them you intimidate them Yeah especially as young people there is so much distraction this and what the school is saying and just saying I'm here I'm aware I'm trying to figure it out also mm. I've made some mistake life has not been perfect but however mm. but also because I share my test I've shared with my testimony the youth here and I'm saying that was part of my life but that doesn't determine who I am as a, that's not my mm. identity because yeah. I was poor because I was because I've made this mistake and just sharing this is mm. you all have scars and sharing with them even the way when Jesus resurrects he comes to the disciples Peter is not there and the first thing Jesus shows Peter is not Peter uh, Thomas Thomas is the scars, the scars. Mm-hmm. yeah True. and when Jesus resurrects he doesn't his body does not resurrect perfectly i think mm-hmm. god could have resurrected yeah. a new body but he even in his resurrection he just there was those scars saying mm-hmm. he died for you and so that's an aspect for young people is just genuinely hopefully as a youth pastor you're genuinely following Christ yeah. and because even for young people they'll sense it if you're mm. pretending and because of hoping and this my assumption is you're doing your prayer you're reading the scripture you are mm. you're loving people around you you're loving your spouse or wife or whoever you're, you're loving the community and yeah you're doing yeah so i hope i'm just assuming those as long as those are happening then that us we just yeah. come around Oh, it's the the culture today isn't it um in in the western world we have instagram and facebook and tiktok and all of those oh. things and you only take a snippet of the best parts of your life yeah so that's what you show people are the best parts of your life and then all the rest don't show oh, anybody you're showing highlights <laughs> yeah yeah highlights and then you're creating this image of yourself of what your life looks like and it's only ever looking at the high points and it's not authentic it's not true and there's no scars oh, oh. and so when we share our scars and we share that it, it creates that line of authenticity i'm not perfect i have struggles but with those struggles i depend on christ oh, and that there is what people want it's not hey this guy never does anything wrong he's well we do he's perfect he's um 6 foot 5 or whatever you are <laughs> 
everything I want to be, and he <laughs> never that. seems to have any rough issues, any bad days. He's always smiling. But then when you sit down with him and you go, look, no, I have bad days, and this is, I, I depend on Christ. Mm. And, um, yeah, I stuffed up here, and the, I, I went to the Father. Mm. And, and we say that a couple of times in this podcast is that, the father, you've got the Old Testament father, and sometimes he looks like he's scary yeah. and you want to run from him. But Jesus shows the authenticity of the father in the, in the scriptures that it's not when you've got a father and you do something wrong, you either run from him because you're in trouble, but Jesus says, come, come to me, run yeah. to your father because you're in trouble. And that is the power of authenticity. That's the power of showing your scars and being open, being vulnerable. And that's yeah. what creates true discipleship. And your whole job, more or less, revolves around discipleship. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I remember we were having a com- conversation about church and I was telling Matthew 28 where Jesus says, um, what's, how does it start? Uh, all power in heaven and earth have been given to you. Mm. And Jesus, Jesus says, go make disciples. And I tell people, Jesus did not say, go make churches. Okay, mm. make believers. <laughs> believers, yeah. just sure. make disciples. And and I guess sometimes I realize even as a youth pastor, I get caught up in building this flashy youth group. Yeah. And God is saying, yes, it's good. Let Make sure it's fun, mm. exciting. There is food. And, but also your job is to make disciples. Then God will build his church. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And that aspect. And that's why I say for young people, and even for me, I'm learning as a youth pastor is also, because I've realized a bit in this culture, and as I'm learning to be here, it's, there's a bit of shame Mm. That people, so that's why, like, when someone shares maybe a struggle they've had, people mm. might bully them, and so teenagers are scared to share. Then it becomes a if someone is struggling, so people sh- mm. comes you shame, you shame. It's like there's that kind. Of, I've seen it in young people. So sometimes I give them something to do, but they are scared because if they don't do it well, if I fail, I'll be mm. feel this aspect of shamefulness, mm. which yep. is one of the things I keep talking to young people and say, you're your failures are not your identities. Yeah. And who you are, me being from Africa, yeah, it's part of my identity, but that's not my ultimate identity. Mm. Me yeah. being a father, it's part of my identity. Being a husband is, but the, if my identity is in those things, which can end. Yeah. So it's, yeah, for young people trying to just say, your identity should be in Christ because after mm. all is said and done, you can hold on to that. Yeah. yeah. Everything will pass away. Yeah, everything. And Except it's a hard Christ. conversation because yeah. we hold on to my job as youth pastor now, yeah, that's my title. And, mm. and that, that could end. I could lose a job or something could happen and whatever. But just if I know my identity is in Christ, then mm. that will never change whether I'm here, in, whether I'm in Kenya mm. or whatever. So, and that becomes a place which even as, maybe as we conclude is, I tell people I do not know how, but somehow I found freedom in Christ that I'm not scared to share where I'm from. I'm not scared to share where I am at. But there is a peace. I, do, I, I tell young people, I wish I could explain yeah. how. Because having gone through what I've gone through and seen what I've seen, I do not lose sleep over those or what. It's just saying, God, I'm here. Mm. Bless me. What can I be? How, who can I bless? And that aspect, sometimes I don't know how to explain to people. <laughs> mm. But yeah, there is a peace that God gives. And it takes a while. I don't and for some people, I know they've struggled because of this and anxiety and depression, and, and those are real. Mm. But I pray even for people maybe will 
will be listening to this, regardless of where your life young or where, whether you're even in Kenya or in New Zealand, that mm. God gives us that peace that surpasses all human understanding. Is it Philippians for? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in a couple of the different letters, so, yeah, sort yeah. of in slightly different ways. Yes, but yeah, I think Philippians is. Yeah, and the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding will yeah. guide our hearts. Mm. In yeah. our spirits in Christ Jesus. Is that the same scripture when Paul's saying he remains content in all things? Yeah. He's learned the secret, whether he's hungry, whether he's fed, clothed, naked, all of that. All of that. And, and that's he, a hard thing. <laughs> that's a yeah. hard thing. That's yeah. a hard thing. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for joining us on the Jesus Magnet podcast. Absolutely incredible story. Um Yeah, I mean, I'm so stoked with that. Very blessed to be able to hear your story while well, we do. Um. Yeah, Laura. Did you want to say anything before we wrap up? No, no, no? you got everything. Yeah. So my mine is to thank you and keep doing the job you're doing. I know it's not easy. Yeah. And just I hope we have more stories and more stories. And yeah, because one of my desires and also because I love listening to podcasts so much, mm. just for business and everything. But I wish also we had more podcasts of Christians sharing their yeah. journey, their stories and. Yeah, I'm able to even to share to, with young people and say, "Oh, go listen to this. Go listen to yeah." Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we'll finish there. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Jesus Magnet podcast, make sure that you continue to follow us and that you continue to find us on Facebook. And um, yeah, if you've got a story and you feel the Holy Spirit going, I need to get this out there. I need to share this with my friends and family. Get in touch with us. Uh, We've got email, we've got Facebook, Instagram. Just jump onto any of those and we'll be super keen to hear all that. See you next time on the Jesus Magnet.